0: You're tuned into another episode of the AER podcast, streaming on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart and YouTube. This podcast features interviews of individuals in the coatings industry. Listen every month wherever you get your podcast. Stay in the loop by following us on Instagram and Facebook at, at @airequipmentsa. Subscribe, rate and visit us online at air-equipment.com. Now, enjoy another episode of the AER podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the AER podcast. My name is uh, Jason Weber, I'm your host. Um, This episode we're going to be talking about the Amphiblast uh, Vapor Blaster from um, uh, Schmidt Abrasives. Um, And today I got two guys from uh, Axiom Manufacturing with me. Uh, One that you've heard before, Bill Nelson, and uh, another one that... um, he's new to the podcast realm uh, Chad Lindquist. Hey guys how's it going
1: Doing fine man glad thank you for having us
0: Thank you yeah. Jay Yeah well Bill we had such a good time last time I wanted to to bring you guys back Yes sir Um and then on on this episode you know something that something that we kind of touched on in our previous episode Bill but um it's a new Newish line of uh, abrasive blasting, and it's kind of taken over the market. Um, wet blast, water blast, vapor blast. There's m- a multiple different names for the the type of application, but uh, the the one that Schmidt or uh, yeah Schmidt um, is the manufacturer of is the amphiblast unit. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today. And um, I guess just jumping right into it, what is the amphiblast?
1: Okay. Well, just for clarity, um, with all of the different monikers of, of uh, different types of slurry blast and all of the different you know, terms that are used out there, just for simplicity's sake, um, we, we've just started calling it wet abrasive blasting. And in the wet abrasive blasting world, that has been around for a long time. Um, Lord, we, we were building vessels in the early 90s um, for, for as an OEM account where people were mixing water and abrasive in vessels um, uh, you know, all the way back to the early 90s and I'm sure that it, there were some that predated that so this really isn't new but what is new is it, it's been resurrected and it's really become quite popular because people are wanting um, to keep the, the 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 nuisance dust under control by adding a little bit of water um, with their abrasive at the nozzle to keep that dust from going airborne. So when Schmidt, when we, Axiom, decided to to build a Schmidt product uh, in that realm, we studied um, the majority of of the technologies that are available out there for strengths and weaknesses. And what we determined uh the best way to go through was to not have a piece of equipment that was solely relegated to wet abrasive blasting but also give the operator the ability to blast dry with the same unit that's where amphiblast amphibious or wet dry blast came from and we released our first units oh probably three years ago and we have had great success with the the Schmidt amphiblast. It has been um, very well received in our market worldwide.
0: Okay so um, you said uh, like it's basically for dust suppression um, but also the dust suppression is you know what we've noticed in um, more rural areas I guess people go with the dry blast just for cost. Mm-hmm. But once you get into the more urban areas, when air quality becomes an issue, because there's a heavily populated area, um, I guess that water injected or or vapor injected uh, blast unit, that's kind of where you see that, right? W- when you're talking air quality to keep that dust out of the air.
1: Correct. And, you know, th- there might be other reasons that the contractors want to, to use a wet abrasive blasting system, but... By and large, the, the, the name of the game is keeping that nuisance dust out of the air to keep you know wind drift from taking it over, you know, off of the job site and becoming an irritant or a, a problem for the the, the HSNE on those job sites. Um, and and I have to admit we were pretty skeptical at first, um, but this technology. Um, has been well received. It it seems like nuisance dust has become a much bigger problem in our marketplace, um, or at least recognized it as a problem in our marketplace much more today than you know where where we were say ten years ago. Um, the a much larger section of our industry is moving to wet abrasive blasting simply for dust control.
0: Okay, um, yeah, and you mentioned that the amphiblast is both, you can d- blast both wet or dry. Uh, so other than that, what are the, you know, how do they how does the amphiblast unit differ from other um, some of these other water injected blast units you see out there on the market?
1: Okay, well, the majority of them have what 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 I call a wet tank technology where you actually add water in the vessel and finish filling the vessel up with abrasive, so you actually have a wet abrasive in the vessel to where they use water um, pressure hydraulic pressure water hydraulic not not hydraulic oil pressure to push that wet slurry um, out of the vessel and into your blast air to be conveyed down to your nozzle Um, we went a different route we stayed a dry tank technology it's based all on you know the tried and true schmidt controls so our our amphiblast control package is no different than our dry blast package um and that that was important to us for a, a couple of reasons you know one uh, the world is is uh, uh used to using um, Schmidt blasting equipment so your operators know how to work on it they know how to utilize it they know how to you know operate it safely you know it's the same type of controls that they've been running before <clears throat> on the hydraulic um, or, or on the wet tank technology the the controls are very different um, as you can imagine they're using hydraulic pressure by you know a water pump to push that slurry out so operators in the field have to have to learn a different control system in order to operate and maintain um, those those other alternative weather-based blasting units Um, what we did is that we figured out how to precisely inject water into the airstream at I guess you call it a critical point, which is just downstream of the metering valve um, instead of injecting water out by your nozzle. The reason that that's important is, is that where we inject the water, the abrasive is not up to full speed. You know, It has just entered that airstream and it has yet to reach maximum velocity as it goes through that blast hose. So we um, determined that that injection point was critical to allow us to how much water was needed to saturate that abrasive enough to keep that nuisance dust under control. If you were to inject further down at say at the nozzle, like many people have for you know, many, many years, you know, the old halo nozzles and, and water injection rings, you know, th- those have been around for 40 years. Well, that, that technology is trying to wet the abrasive at its maximum velocity right before it hits the substrate. So they're having to put a lot of water um, out because you're, you're more or less trying to wet a bullet right before it strikes or right as it strikes your substrate. You know, those particles are moving. <clears throat> so that type of technology, you'll typically see three quarters of a gallon, if not a gallon of water per minute on the surface just to wet that abrasive to the point of, of you know, satisfactory dust suppression. Where we inject our water and, and the method with, with what we do, um, we're, we're frankly operating you know, normally around about a half of a pint. I'm sorry, about a pint or a half of a quart per minute. So the, the water consumption on the amphiblast is much more finite and gives you much more control than a lot of the other um, product offerings out there.
0: Okay, um, yeah. Do you see any uh, anything, you know, injecting it right after the metering valve versus at the nozzle? Do you see anything in in material waste or material saving, or is that is it just the amount of water that it needs to be used?
1: Well, your your material savings, um, it, it, and and I know a lot of people in the wet abrasive blasting world um, are are off on that. But to be honest, what I find is that the, the Schmidt controls on a dry blast unit allow you, if you operate it, you know, as we preach and teach that you should, the abrasive consumption is, is, is right at the same. But, you know, your, your operator has full control of that and a lot of applications out there, you know, run more abrasive than is necessary in a dry blast. But those same operators, given a wet blast, um, have a tendency to run that unit lean. And, you know, with the, with, what we preach is lean on that nozzle on abrasive just enough to cover the target area. And, and I got to tell you, Jason, I was confounded for quite a while trying to figure out why if I give a man an amphiblast and we set the metering valve as lean as we preach and teach to operate and as long as he's running wet he would run it like that all day but as soon as i shut the water off and that blast hose dries out same settings on the metering valves and that operator goes into a dry mode he's asking for more abrasive and and i i I was it took me a long time to figure this out, but I find, but we finally figured it out. Most operators are accustomed to running their dry equipment with what I, with what we consider too much abrasive, to the point where you can see abrasive coming out of that nozzle. And if you can see it, that's too much abrasive. You are having wasted abrasive, and you're creating a dust plume out there that it, it you just don't need. Well, when we add water to it, they no longer can see the abrasive coming out, so their eyes are satisfied. They're used to seeing dry abrasive coming out. Now they have this, this, this water plume coming out, so they can see something coming out, although it's not abrasive, so they're willing to run a wet nozzle leaner than they are a dry nozzle. And it it the only it's an optic effect for these blasters, and it's really been interesting once I figured that out. So, in a sense, the the people that are out there expressing a cost savings of abrasive, by and large, that's true, but it's not because of the technology, and it's not because of, of or the tech. It's not because of the equipment's ability to run rich or lean. Our equipment will run however you set it but it's a, more of a matter of the operator being willing to run that vessel lean and still get the optic effect, seeing that water come out of the nozzle. So that, that's a long answer for your question. <laughs> In the field, yes, I am seeing abrasive savings uh, w- without a doubt, um, but I'm still going back to the contractors out there are really more concerned about how much water they're getting out of that nozzle um, per minute or per hour. Because as you can imagine, the blasting out there is pretty easy. Cleaning up that workspace after blast is a much more arduous uh, job. So if you're running an amphiblast at a pint a minute, the abrasive that that operator's standing on, you know, the spin abrasive, it, most of the time it's actually dry in a matter of five or ten minutes. So it can be swept up and shoveled up and bagged up for disposal. With a lot of the other wet abrasive blasting units, you know, the saturated tanks or the wet tank technology, you can't lean that nozzle out on the water. So you're really getting, pick a number, a quart of water a minute, if not more. So the operators during their production run are actually standing in a level of sludge out there that now has to be shoveled up, and you know, so so they're having to shovel up mud instead of sweeping up abrasive.
0: Right. Okay. And that's if it doesn't go running down the, <laughs> you know, half yeah. a mile away from you. A-
1: absolutely. You know um. That.
0: But but kind of jumping back on the uh, the running your your pot to or not not lean enough in the drive blast um as a distributor i just got to plug this in there but uh that comes back to being properly trained on your equipment i think um there's too many there are too many times where you see people buy buy stuff and not especially in this industry and not get trained up on it and um you yeah. know you either stuff can go horribly wrong that's not a, a horrible example of it but um Probably would cost you some money over the over the years of you know spending on extra abrasive. So um, that's something I hadn't even even thought of. Uh, but I guess yeah, what you're saying is because they can see that water coming out of the, end of the nozzle, it satisfies them because they're used to seeing the dry abrasive coming out. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so that's that'd be. I guess we covered the benefits of uh, of injecting it. At the metering valve instead of the nozzle. Now, what are the benefits of of injecting at the metering valve instead of, um, in the pressure within the pressure vessel? You know, other than I guess okay the, the main benefit I guess would be you can switch from dry to wet, right? Uh, well,
1: true, true. Well, and and, and uh, let me back up. There, there is one other uh, uh, point that I want to point out. When we inject just upstream of the blast o's, you know, right at the metering valve. One of the benefits is, is that I get to use the length of the blast hose as a mixing chamber. And that, that's one of the reasons why I'm able to get down to a pint of water a minute, because as it traverses the length of the blast hose to get to the nozzle, it's actually in a slow spin in there and it has enough resonant time in the blast hose to get a proper wetting of you know, each particle. So that that's kind of the last little benefit of injecting at the at the metering valve in lieu of the nozzle. Okay. Now, some of the benefits that the the our amphiblast has over some wet tank technologies, uh, quite frankly one of them is how much water. You know, when you have a vessel full of a mixture of abrasive and water and you extrude that wet abrasive out of the vessel into the blast hose, you are going to receive a predetermined amount of water. And there, and that's just a fact of life. You know, so logic would say that the finer the abrasive, the less water you're going to get per, quote, pound of abrasive into your airstream. The coarser that abrasive, because there's more voids in between the particles, you're going to get more water with a coarser abrasive so with the wet tank technology you you will receive a predetermined amount of water whether you need that much or not and all you can do is add more you can't back off of how much water you're going to receive with amphiblast you have finite control of it you can go from all the way off to flooding the nozzle it's up to the operator so that's probably as big of a benefit that the contractors have, have expressed to us is that they can run less water and make their job site clean up that much easier. The second biggest differenti- uh, differential is that with a wet tank technology, um, you're, you're limited in how coarse of an abrasive you can go with. The reason is, is that if you put a coarse abrasive into that wet tank, you have to build water pressure up on top of that slurry of abrasive to push that abrasive out of the vessel into your blast hose. Well, if the abrasive is coarse. The water won't just build head pressure on top of it to push it out. The water will actually sieve through the abrasive and exit the vessel without creating that head pressure to push it out. Um, my field experience, I, I have not done any empirical study on this, but my experience in the field is that wet tank technology starts having trouble feeding a blast at about 36 grit anything coarser than a 36 i have not seen successful runs um with the finer abrasives it'll build the head pressure it'll push it out okay you know the the equipment does what they say it will Um, but when it comes to coarser abrasives there there's uh, uh, there's a nuance about it people need to understand with amphiblast it's a dry pot If it'll run through a dry pot, you can run it through the amphiblast. I don't care.
0: Okay. Um, And you've seen, because most of the, the, I guess, the other blast pots or vapor blast pots I've seen, they recommend using, um, most of the time uh, what I see is recommend using garnet. But you're saying with amphiblast, if you can dry blast with it, you can also wet blast with it? Sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've I, I run everything from sodium bicarbonate to uh, one guy wanted me to run steel grit. I don't understand it, but that's what he wanted. We ran it. Um, uh, aluminum oxide, corn cob, walnut. I mean, it, it, yeah, if it'll go through a dry blast pot, it'll go through the amphiblast.
0: Okay. Um, all right, now that we discussed the amphiblast, let's kind of talk about the different buying options that The amphiblast comes in. Um, Just looking at your website, you have the amphiblast, amphiblast light, mini amphiblast, and the bulk amphiblast. Um, What are the kind of different options with uh, each, I guess, version of the amphiblast? So So
2: we started out, Jason, um, our two original units were a skid mount type with an onboard water tank, and that would have been our 4.5 cubic foot um, single outlet unit Um, and then we have or started out uh, as well with our 6.5 cubic foot um, dual outlet uh, configuration where you can actually blast with two operators off of one unit in one vessel. Um, We've since graduated and broadened the family spectrum so to speak Again, uh, we go from a a 1.5 portable type with a 15 gallon onboard water tank to a 3.5 cubic foot portable type with an onboard 15 gallon water tank. And then of course your single outlet skid mounted unit in the 4.5, the 6.5 dual outlet. Um, Our first bulk unit configuration consisted of a three outlet a uh, 52 cubic foot uh, unit that you could actually blast uh, or utilize three uh, nozzles on, have three operators running off one unit. And since then, we've uh, graduated up to the six and eight ton, the 120 and the 160 cubic foot units um, with a variety of different nozzles from two outlet all the way up to four outlet. Um, and with What's really unique about the multi-outlet units is, is that each operator <clears throat> can operate um, independently of one another. So our amphiblast technology consists of the ability to blast dry, ability to blast wet, and we also offer a wash down feature where you're, you have the ability to sufficiently wash down your substrate um, after blasting, and then we offer a, on the unit a dry off mode where you can isolate your abrasive and your water and just have air only if you, so, you want to blow off the substrate. So on our multi outlet units, um, what's really significant and unique is that each operator has the ability to operate in any of those configurations independently. So, you could have two operators or one operator inside of a say a ground storage tank blasting dry while the others are outside blasting wet, or you know, any four combinations that you want. So, it's really unique in that way.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was that was actually going to be um, <laughs> my next question was uh, can you can you blast wet? And dry simultaneously on the multi-line uh, blast units. Um, I think that's a really, really big benefit that people would get from from buying one of these uh, bulk units or the. Um, I think you guys make a dual line also.
2: Correct. We have the uh, six point five um, standard dual outlet unit, and then again, we've built uh, units in the you know one hundred and twenty cubic foot two-outlet, three-outlet, four-outlet, um, so, you know, in the multi-outlet configurations.
1: Okay. And, and, Jason, that that brings up another point that I, I, I kind of overlooked. Um, our technology, dry tank technology versus the saturated or the wet tank technology, because they're using hydraulic pressure to push that abrasive out, that vessel is a hundred percent full of water. Whenever that vessel runs out of abrasive, so that operator or, or has to dump about fifty percent of the water out of the vessel in order to put the next load of abrasive in the vessel itself. And and to be honest, I don't know what they do with that water, but I have a hard time believing that they would recycle it because that water is still going to have abrasive in it from the vessel itself. So when when you really start talking about water consumption, just understanding the fact that you got to dump half of the water out every time you refill with abrasive, that, that really should be taken into account whenever you start talking about total water absorb uh, uh, consumption, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um okay. Well I, I had a couple other questions that just kind of popped into my head. Um one, I want to talk about the compressor size to run these blast pots. I know in some of the other ones um that we've run into, they they take a minimum of like a three hundred and seventy five CFM compressor, and that's because it it takes uh, extra air to pressure up the tank i guess but uh is is with this one since it is a dry or wet blast is the size of your compressor still predicated by the size of your nozzle the blast nozzle
2: that's correct i can't speak on the wet blast or the uh, wet tank technology requirements in terms of you know compressor size or requirements but on the amphiblast the same rules apply Uh, to the blast as it does traditional dry blasting. So your air supply is going to be predicated upon what size nozzle you run and what other uh, accessories are being pulled off of that air source, say your breathing air and such. So there's no added, you know, need for, uh, you know, CFM other than what you're already accustomed to in a dry blast scenario.
0: Okay. Um, and then kind of a uh, spin off of that. Do you see a, like, is there a minimum size nozzle you can go with, with injecting the water in? Or is it be, is it mixed so well with the water that you don't see it kind of a, uh, you know, clog up a, a smaller nozzle?
1: jason i i personally ran um quarter inch angle nozzles on the ampiblast uh at one point i was running a number three nozzle with the blast but, but but the only i guess warning or, or the only fact that i i would roll into that question is as i say no i've ran about every size nozzle that you can when you're running in wet blast your hose diameter relation to your nozzle is all the more critical so you can't sit there and put a number three nozzle on an inch and a quarter hose the the abrasive won't travel the hose fast enough to stay in the air so it will fall out in the hose and become clumpy and it'll start puking out of that nozzle but as long as you make sure that your blast hose is no more than three times the diameter of your nozzle, I've ran number three nozzles successfully, dry and wet out of the amphiblast. Um, you know, of course, I was running fairly fine abrasives, you know, your 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 80 mesh or uh, garnets and your your starlight products and such. So as long as they ensure that. They're running the right size blast hose for that nozzle. No, there is no restriction.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, and then uh, one one last question I had, and this is just it kind of popped into my head. Uh, I've heard this, I guess, myth or legend, <laughs> in the past. Um, you guys are are in the Houston area, so you're well familiar with humidity Um, and i've heard that when you're blasting a a substrate if you use reverse osmosis water it'll prolong the rust time before you you know in between coating. is that true or is that just a myth
1: um i have not personally witnessed that i've heard the same rumor as as well and that's I'm calling it a rumor because I personally have not witnessed it. Um, the, the, I have a hard time believing that that is true, um, but I, I have seen the water additive products out there that can be mixed uh, in the water tank of the amphiblast just like you can the other wet tank technologies. And, and I have seen those those water additive products um successfully hold that blast but as far as just running you know a, a an ro type water i haven't seen that
0: okay that seems like it'd be really expensive anyway <laughs> um Does so uh, pro- probably just by rule of thumb once that once that substrate's dry go ahead and put a coating on it
1: that's the way i see it but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i'm not a contractor either so
0: right
1: I'm, I'm just an old uh, uh, I guess you call me an equipment guy. I'm I'm not an applications guy.
0: Okay. Um, well, yeah, guys, that's all I got today. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add before before we take off.
2: No, I certainly appreciate the opportunity, Jason.
1: As do I, buddy.
0: All right. Well, uh, if you guys want any more information about the uh, Schmidt uh, Amphiblast units feel free to contact Air Equipment at 210-223-3157 or visit us online at air-equipment.com. Uh, Bill and Chad, I want to thank you one more time for, uh, for joining me today. Uh, I think we got some, some real good knowledge out there on the amphiblast units, and, um, yeah, just appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Bob.
2: Thank you, Jason.
0: All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the AER podcast.